Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Welcome to the Victoria Souls podcast today. I am delighted to bring my guest today, Diamond Well. He is a super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living. I just love that. I mean, think about that. A super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living. Just pause and savor that for a minute. That right there shows you what is the priority of this man. Because then he goes into the things he does, that he is a digital thought leader, an award-winning author, a TEDx speaker, a distinguished Toastmaster, and so many more things. So I'm not going to list those all for you because we're going to talk about them because he is an amazing gentleman sharing his story today of how he had to overcome something in his life like all of us do in some way or another. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. Welcome to, to Victoria Souls Podcast, I Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Danielle. You know, I'm, I've been excited for this conversation. I know we had a, a preamble about a month and a bit ago, and uh, I've been looking forward to this. And uh, well, it's, and, and you know what? I want to acknowledge you because uh, I, I don't think podcasters, you know, content creators, people that literally wear their hearts on their sleeves and, and create a space for these conversations to happen organically. I, I don't think it's acknowledged enough, you know, and I just want to say thank you for offsetting that that scale that we see in the world today. You know, there's a scale and we got positive, and we got negative. And I'll tell you, the traditional media, man, that negative is like outweighing the positive. So we need more people like yourself leading the charge to offset those scales, you know, and, oh, and I I think I'm seeing that tide change and I just, uh, you know, I, I really honor that. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity today. Oh, you're welcome. So let's get started. We'll start with a little bit of history of what was it like growing up being Diamond Well? Oh, well, let's just go way, way back. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I <laughs> go just, back just as far as you want or don't want. So, <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm 46 now and I was born in 1976. Uh, just outside of Toronto, Ontario. And uh, for those that aren't aware of Toronto, Toronto is the largest city in Canada. And it is a lot of hustle and bustle. And, and there's a lot of suburbs, you know, like like a lot of big cities, you know, they just sort of expand outward over time. And so I lived in one of the more suburbia of outside Toronto. Um, you know, we were about 45 minutes east of, of the downtown core. And, you know, as far as back as I can remember, I, I knew I came from a household with a lot of love, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate that way, you know, oh, yeah. grandparents, they were there, they loved us. My mom's parents were deaf mutes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really interesting, you know, growing up with them. Um, and because, you know, my mom actually was, was really funny is uh, my mom learned to sign before she learned to talk because my mom, wow. you know, she, she had all didn't have any uh, um uh, challenges, you know, learning challenges, unlike my grandparents at the time, you know, like back then they didn't know what to do with, uh, you, you know, they usually would ship them off to some sort of school that was made for the deaf, you know, and mm -hmm. now it's like, there's so much more resources and support networks. And it's just it's so much more accepted, right? Less stigmatization right. to those kind of learning disabilities. And uh, we don't even call it that anymore. You know, it's learning abilities. And um and so growing up with that, it was really interesting. And also because my mom was first taught to speak from a, a, a Louisiana black woman that was living in Toronto and working at the, the spa that my uh, grandfather owned, this hair salon. And so my, my mom still to this day in her 70s has this sort of southern twang every once in a while that comes out, <laughs> which is just hilarious, right? It's just, uh, so just to give you some color there, you know, because also my mom, uh, you know, she's always been a creative. 
and a self-starter, but also a bookworm. You know, she loves mm. to learn and to grow. So that, I was always encouraged to learn, to grow, to try new things. Right. On the flip side, though, my father, very introverted. Mm. You know, my mom's an extrovert, extreme extrovert. You know, <laughs> my, my dad, extreme introvert. And he was the fifth, uh, the youngest of five siblings. But there was a 10-year gap between him and the next oldest sibling. Wow. And my dad was born in 1944. So anybody that knows the math around the World War, right? Like, it's like... Yeah, he's a war baby, you know, and it was a a, a bit of an oops, um, but they loved him nonetheless. And uh, but my dad grew up in a very interesting time and and uh, very stoic. You know, that's what was modeled to him. Mm -hmm. um, and this is very important because, you know, we all learn. And the two most important ways that we all learn is through role modeling and mentorship. So when you start to look at how those two things play out in your own life growing up, you start to realize, okay, that's where I picked that up, right? Like, that's <laughs> where I learned that habit, right? And and now, I mean, today at 46, I can reflect on that much more differently than I could growing up. I don't think I really understood or appreciated some of the, those pros and cons, you know, mm -hmm. that I was adapting or adopting. And um you know, so so life was good, you know, and I have a, a younger sibling, you know, my brother it was two and a half years, uh, my junior. And, you know, we, we could fight like the worst of enemies, but we were also the best of friends. And <laughs> like most siblings are right with that kind of age, especially, you know, we're, we're both boys and striving to be men. And, and uh, you know, there's always going to be that sort of tit for tat and, <laughs> you know, leveling up and and leveling down. And uh, now, when so, you have a stoic dad, that will feed yeah, into it, too. Oh. Oh my gosh, like totally, right? And um, but what was also really interesting is my my father was a veterinarian and uh opened up his own practice with his business partner, um, who also graduated around the same time that he did. And what was super interesting was you know, he he was an entrepreneur, you know, they were starting their own vet practice and, and not really understanding what they were doing or how they were gonna do it, but they did it. And eventually it grew to a point, you know, uh, a number of years ago, he finally exited out and then retired. And, and unfortunately, uh, pancreatic cancer ended up uh, taking my father's life five years ago. Um, but, you know, up to that period in time, you know, he had built this successful practice, you know, like 10 full-time vets working for him, you know, like wow. it, was, it was quite an enterprise. And uh, so it was impressive. But I, I got to tell you, you know, he grew up and his father and his mother, they were hard workers, right? Like it was just, you work. That's where your purpose is. That's where your meaning is. That's how you show support and love to your family is you work and you work more to provide. And, <laughs> and you can, you know, where I'm going with this. So, you know, my, my dad was working all the time, you know, and uh -huh. so that, that some of my earliest memories of my dad was him just going to work, you know, or coming home and maybe tucking me into bed, you know, like a, we didn't see him a ton. Uh -huh. Um, but we, we still felt loved, you know, I felt loved in, in, in my well, own Well, that's life. quite an accomplishment yeah. right there. I want to yeah. just pause there mm. because that is an incredible accomplishment with those sets of circumstances. <laughs> I find that mm. to be somewhat uncommon mm. because when you're in a household with so much work, there can mm. be a sense of abandonment and a sense of neglect that can mm. set in. But there are those parents who somehow, even in the midst of all that other hard work and the stoicism and, mm. and things like that, that can tend to neglect children, mm. they somehow overcome that. And the children know they're loved, even though, mm. well, maybe I don't know how to do this with my emotions so well, but I still think they have no lack of a sense of love. One mm -hmm. of the ladies I interviewed for my book, Because You Matter, she grew up like that. And I was just oh, like, really? I was <laughs> astounded by that because I grew up with social, um, with emotional neglect. Mm. And some of it has to do with the parents, but some of it has to do with our personality and our needs also. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, there's a whole, whole kaleidoscope of how it all shakes <laughs> out in the end. So, but I just wanted to congratulate your parents. I mean, that, that was, that was something for you to emerge mm -hmm. I know I'm loved. This this was hard, maybe, but I just know I was loved. My greatest need was I felt so unloved and unwanted. So, uh -huh. and uh, see, and that's, that's a completely different thing with yeah. similar things, but emerging, knowing you're loved, that empowered you, even mm. though you ran into a whole host of trouble after that, didn't you? Yeah, uh, you know, and and to be fair, you know, like 
my mom probably no i'm not gonna say probably okay she did she she doted on my brother and i and uh you know she really looked after us and 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 made, ensured that we always felt loved always had what we needed we're always fed like i mean we, we felt very safe you mm -hmm. know and my mom also you know she was a public health nurse and so it also created a whole slew of stuff you know as a nurse uh you know and, and her specialty was in sexual education so oh, wow. uh you know we grew up <laughs> being told about all the correct anatomical terms and, and, uh, and it was so funny but whenever she always said you know if you had a question i was going to answer the real answer mm -hmm. you know like and she just was like boom right to the point you know and and so we always appreciated that. My mom always had a bit of a reputation. She was my own friends coming over to our houses would ask my mom questions. And they, she would just be like, here's the answers, you know, like, so it was, it was entertaining and, and fun, but it was also neat to see, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, grow up around and then, you know, but then came age nine and everything changed. Mm. Everything literally changed uh, in a matter of, of an instant. And, what happened? Well, I remember coming home after school one day and, and um, you know, I got home before my brother and my brother arrived shortly after and, and my dad was home from work, which was odd. You know, he's not usually home at like three 30 in the afternoon, yeah, especially on a weekday. And uh, my mom was there too. And um, you know, they corralled us into the living room, which was again, very weird, very odd. Yeah. Like we're no wonder you remember. Like, and suddenly everything yeah. changed. There's like this oh. line in the sand here. Absolutely. But, but also, you know, for my brother and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, are we in trouble? What did we do? You know, like, <laughs> back what did you do? Like, I didn't do it. You did it. I didn't do oh, it. <laughs> like instantly this sort of like a, a feeling of, of nervousness and anxiety starts yeah. to, to well over myself. And, uh, my parents then proceeded to to state that their relationship and their dynamics in the relationship had changed, you know, and we didn't know this. Like, I, I, even when I think back on, I knew that they argued sometimes. I knew that there were some challenges, but you don't really know because my dad was always away. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, you just don't know. Again, I'm nine. Right. I, I don't yeah. really know. And you're and not paying so, attention to your parents. Huh. You don't know about husband, wife, you know, mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some nine close to 10 and, and uh, they were like, we're getting divorced, you know, and uh, just to, again, put this into perspective, this is like 1985, 86, right? Like I'm like nine, 10 years old. And back in the eighties, I mean, one, we don't have the internet, you know, uh, uh, there, there is a lot more technology advancing and, you know, mm -hmm. there's technology boom, you know, the video games are coming out, movies are becoming very accessible in the home now, you know, because of VHS, right? <laughs> And, and it was just an interesting time. The personal computers were taken off. So there was starting to become more accessible information. But it, you know what? There was still heavily stigmatized, uh, like, especially around divorce and relationships mm -hmm. ending. You know, like back then there was one other kid in my entire class of 30 kids that didn't have his original parents together still. So like, you know, just to put it in perspective where today, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't want to. You know, I'm not here to talk about today as far as relationships are going, but the, the statistics are the opposite now, right? Like more relationships end in separation and divorce than actually succeed. So we have a lot more resources. We have more information. We have more support groups mm -hmm. uh, and, and professionals that know how to deal with this. And so, again, I'm a child. I don't know what to do. I retract. I, I go inwards. You know, yeah. and, and um, so my world changed because my You're mom safe. didn't have to go back. The world was no yeah. longer safe. Well, because now, you know, we were going to be with my mom full time. We would see my dad every other weekend, maybe occasionally for a, a quick bite to eat during the week. But, you know, so it became even less of seeing my dad. Wow. Um, so, you know, when you think about abandonment, I don't think it was so much abandonment because I knew he was there, but I, I definitely resented my father. I, I thought he was the the villain in the situation. Mm. And as such, you know, we, we, we turned to our mom even more. And my brother didn't really have that same effect. You know, like he, he, he handled things much better than I did, but I, I really took it hard. And, um, and there we have personality differences. <laughs> we do, we do. And, and yeah, even to today, you know, a lot of people will see my brother and I together and like, you guys are brothers, you know, like, they just, they, they, <laughs> but you can see it, you can see the similarities, but, uh, but just the, the personalities are very different. And, um, anyways, I, I, I went inward, you know, I, I started to look for ways to now cope with all these new emotions that were coming on and this sort of woe is me situation. And I was seeking instant gratification and, and I found it. I found it by eating certain types of foods. I would feel better in an instant. 
You know, my mood would change instantly. If I eat something sugary, something sweet, something carby, mm -hmm. you know, something usually quite poor in nutrition value, but very high in calories, right? And, uh, but also on top of that, you know, we had a video game console, we had home movies. And and so I found that those little dopamine hits were also something that provided me an escape. Mm -hmm. And that became my main thing, you know, was eating and then doing things that were very passive, playing video games, watching movies. So it, this continued for about five years, you know, wow. from about age nine to 14, almost 15 years old. I, that was my regular. And it, listen, we all know sort of the the, the tendency. We, we I don't think I have to spell it out. I think people can already figure out, well, if you have that as your everyday thing and I'm eating more than I need and I'm not moving my body, you know, it, it eventually got to a place where uh, one day I was at the doctor's office with my mom. And uh, getting my asthma checked because I, I developed asthma as a kid to, to certain animal dandruff and whatnot. So I'm going in for that sort of annual test. And uh, Dr. Quinn pulls my mom aside. And she's like, Betty Ann, dies morbidly obese. And, wow. you know, and I'm right sitting on the chair, like barely just outside the door, right? The door is wide open. It's like he knows I can hear, right? I, I know it. And, and I didn't know what morbidly meant. I didn't know what obese meant. Mm -hmm. But I knew the way it was delivered. and the, the, the It was just, bad. Yeah, I, I knew it wasn't a good thing, right? And yeah. I didn't need to be told how I was feeling. Because I, 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 all the typical cliches or stigmas that we associate with someone in that state of unhealth, I was living. That was just my life, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember going to phys ed class. And yeah, always being picked last. And then even then, the people not wanting to pick me. It's like, oh, gosh, we got to pick Di now. And and I remember even going into the change room. And, and I would not want to get changed. Like, I used to yeah. pretend I was sick. I would avoid gym class, like, no end. You know, because I just, it was so demoralizing to myself. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and in this sort of escapism and avoidance, I started to develop a lot of anxiety, especially social anxiety. And, uh, and so I, I tried to do things that were very private. So I would only have a tight circle of friends, you know, and that would always be stuff that we do at our place. I wouldn't really go out a lot. Like I just, I became very insular, you know, yeah. and, uh, and that was tough, you know, it was tough because obviously all the, 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 what the conversation around mental health today is so much more open, mm -hmm. so many more people having it. You know, like just recently, I'm sure you were aware of it too, you know, DJ yeah. Twitch, right? Like it's like phenomenal, like what's happened with the celebrity that a lot of people just were like, oh, they had no idea, you know, and, and this is very apparent, even with yeah. this access to information, access to great networks, it's still a present challenge today as it was back then. It's just now we are a bit more aware, we're a bit more open to having the conversation. It's less stigmatized. Mm -hmm. And uh so back then, you know, like talking about this stuff, forget it. No way. Like talking to even my best friends or my mom, like school counselor. Like I just, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I just kept everything wow. inside. And um, so depression and that social anxiety. And yeah, I had some dark thoughts sometimes, you know, really dark thoughts. Now I never acted on it because to be fair, I was more afraid of that finality, you know, mm -hmm. that idea of nothingness, that idea of what if there is no next step, you know, mm -hmm. and so I, I never acted on it, but I did entertain the thoughts often. Yeah, and um, and then that's you know, a different that's a different yeah. form of escapism because it, it like is, you're escaping yeah. into the food, mm. you're escaping into the game, and so suicide mm. feels like an escape. But, it feels like something you're in control of, right? Like just like I felt like I was in control of what I eat. I'm in control of this emotions that I feel when I eat. You know, yeah, and, but and, suicide yeah. is like then you're not in control of what happens after. So I, I am thankful that you yeah. recognized that and didn't continue. So you were here today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. It's you know. How long did all of this, this go on? Because I know you got married, and oh, I mean, yeah, how did well, that well, all well, lead into you. your adult life? Okay, well, Danielle, so, you know, as quickly as things sort of went off the rails at age nine, at age 15, I sort of had this, uh, you know, and to use a term that I've heard you use, you know, this sort of awakening, you know, and, and it really was kind of like that, you know, my eyes became very wide open to the fact that the only person that could actually change my situation was me, you know, like, just becoming very aware that, oh, gosh, you know, this didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. This has been a five-year journey mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, one step at a time and really one bite at a time, you know, <laughs> like that's really what it was. Like it was mm -hmm. five years of this sort of poor health habits compounded day after day after day and not, not, not in a positive way. Right. It's not like compound interest. We like compound interest. No, this is compounding <laughs> calories. Right. And, yeah. and, and not healthy ones. And, uh, and I sort of had this realization one day getting out of the shower at my dad's place. Like, and it's the weirdest thing, right? Like I used to have a hack. Okay. And, and there might be people that can relate to this. All right. Like, cause I, I feel the anxiety still today, you know, what people undergo with just the fact that we have high pixel phones in our back pockets and everyone's got one now, you know, like back then, if we had that, there's no way I ever would have left the house. I, I'm just being honest. Like just that the idea, cause there's very few photos of me at that period of my life. Very, very few. And um, yeah, there are many uh, people in my generation like, I'm so glad there was no such thing as Facebook. Seriously, right? <laughs> I know. don't know. I know oh what I did. God. You don't know. There's uh, no record. <laughs> it's like, I know we, we, we talk about, you know, you know, 80, right? Like after uh, um, whatever, after God, you know, and, and BC mm. before Christ, right? Like, I, I think it's before Facebook now. Right? It's like BF, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, but it's it was hard and but yet i would have these showers and i knew that if i stayed in the shower just a little bit longer and i turned the heat up really high and i just waited a few extra minutes that by the time i get out the mirror will be all fogged up it'd be covering condensation so i i wouldn't even have to look at my reflection okay like this is how bad it was like i just wow. i avoided acknowledging how i was and uh, i just i tried not to ever even admit that I was in that state of unhealth, you know, like it just avoidance. It was an avoidance lifestyle. All right. Mm -hmm. And, and um, because I couldn't deal with it, I just couldn't accept it. And that morning, my dad's rushing my brother and I to get out. We had, I don't even know where we were going. We might've been going bowling or something. I, I honestly have no idea what we were doing, but my dad had plans that Saturday morning. And so I was in the shower and he's knocking on the door. He's like, we gotta go, we gotta go, hurry up. And, and so I got out and the mirror wasn't, covered in condensation it wasn't all fogged up and mm -hmm. uh and i was like you know in my peripheral here trying to towel off and i could just see my 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 side view there right like i could see my reflection and uh i don't know why i have no idea really why but i i turned and, and stared at myself in the mirror and then i proceeded to do the the whole gaze working my way down my body and by the time I brought my gaze back up to my eyes, my eyes were red and it was like Niagara Falls, right? Like it was just like ugly crying. Okay. Like it mm -hmm. was just, there wasn't anything pretty here, but it was, it was cathartic in itself. It was like this ultimate release of these emotions I've been harboring and holding back. And you let the morning out. Well, it really, it, it was, I let something out and I was, and I, was I, I all of a sudden, it wasn't so much like I felt better, but I definitely felt some relief. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I also realized, you know, geesh, if I don't make some changes now, I'm only five years away from being 20 years old. I'm getting, you know, and I was already thinking about having my own life and moving out and maybe there's post-secondary. Like, you know, you start thinking about that stuff mm -hmm. as a teenager, right? And, and, yeah. and, and I started thinking, well, it's like, well, if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, I know life isn't going to be easier than it is right now at 15. And at 15, it feels pretty hard, you know? And, and so it was this realization that, if I don't change now, it's not going to get easier. And and if I'm perfectly honest, I was actually more afraid of not changing than the idea of changing. Wow. And that's when people change. Like uh, yes. Tony Robbins, is he's famous for saying, I believe that we change when the pain of staying this, of change uh, isn't as hard as the pain mm -hmm. of changing. I know I mangled his, mm -hmm. his quote, but, you know, the thing we have to mm -hmm. have the one pain has to become less than the other because people mm -hmm. don't change because they're, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Well, it's going to hurt to stay the same. Oh, you know, yeah. So which pain do you want? That's right. Do and, you want and pain I realized... forever or do you want pain that you go through it and then it's gone? Yeah. And it wasn't even so much pain for me. It was, it was honestly fear. It, it was this anxiety, this sort of fear of the future and, and what will come if I don't start to address some changes. Mm. And, and I, you know, I toweled off. <laughs> I went and got my clothes on. My dad's in the waiting in the living room waiting for my brother and I. My brother's already there. And I, I come out and I'm like, Dad, I want to get healthy. I don't want to be like this anymore. And my dad, I, I still give him full credit for this. And my mom too, you know, because she she was also supportive. But my dad in the moment, he was like, 
what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, whatever you want to do, sure. Like, because full disclosure, you know, in those years during that five-year period of unhealth, there was lots of times that my parents came to me and offered different types of support. You know, they offered to get me a personal trainer. They offered to hire a dietitian to help me. They, they offered me to take like martial arts classes, you know, like mm -hmm. th there was all these offers and these suggestions and, 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 you know, they, they were trying to help me mm -hmm. with navigating the change. But every time they came at me with one of those suggestions, I was like, you don't think I'm good enough the way I am. Like that's, that's what I heard. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hearing, Oh, we love you. We know that the, you want to make some changes, you know, like it was like, and that's just how I felt. And I, I'm right. sure a lot of people can relate to this, you know, those loved ones in our lives that love us no matter what they come to us, they see us hurting and they're like, Oh, what they want to do is help us feel better. And I just took it as an attack. I was like, Oh, you don't think I'm good enough. And and I would act out and I would do more of the, 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 the eating more than video games, mm -hmm. more of the movie watching, you know? That's and, how the trauma uh, response, the tra undealt yeah. trauma of your parents mm -hmm. splitting up, <clears throat> it traumatized mm -hmm. you for you to mm -hmm. act out. Mm -hmm. And then because it was not dealt with, every time it was addressed in a way that wasn't dealing with it, but mm -hmm. try to like change it into something else, it's, it, you, you pushed back. It makes perfect sense until you had that ugly mm -hmm. cry and you mourned over something maybe you know maybe a whole host of things but that dam broke that day and it brought change in your it, life it, it was it was the beginning of the change it really was it really was and and you know in in that moment my dad is like what do you want to do and I was like you know what can we get me a bike I wanted a bike you know because I remember as a kid loving to go out on my bike you know, I had an old BMX bike back then when I was a kid and I used to love just going out and riding my bike, you know, just mm -hmm. being active and, and I just enjoy being outdoors. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> let's go get you a bike. And we literally went and bought me a bike right then and there. And, and that afternoon we came home after whatever we did. And, um, I went for a bike ride, you know, and, and the next day I went for a bike ride and the day after that I went for a bike ride and, and I just started getting active you know, started moving my body with a little bit of purpose. And my purpose mm -hmm. was to be healthy, to feel better, to think mm -hmm. differently about myself. That wow. was my intention, you know, and, but I knew I'd have to just keep repeating that. And, and then I needed education too, right? Like I, I needed to understand how do I eat? You know, yeah. how do I eat to be healthier, to be different, to lose this weight? Yeah, and, and I went to the library and I got books out, you know, on, on nutrition and, and fitness and all sorts of stuff. And my kids still to today, they're like, Dad, why do you just Google it? And I'm like, because I'm older than Google, <laughs> you know, like, and they're but uh, either way, you know, like it's uh, that was what I did. And, and yeah. I started to learn. I started to grow as a result of learning and developing this inner self-confidence that I can do this. And the, the confidence really became um, set, in, you know, like cement sets, you know, it takes time for cement to set and then mm -hmm. dry and then harden. Well, just like any new habit, it's the same sort of process. It takes a lot of repetition, a lot of frequency, definitely takes some discipline to keep doing it because it's very different than what we were doing before. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but we you took ownership like, you know, of the yeah. change of direction. Yeah. It's like you were going down the freeway in one direction and mm -hmm. you took ownership of your life and turned around and was facing the other direction. You had yeah, to continue right. to move down the road in that direction, oh, yeah. like you're saying, but you took ownership of that. You like, let's turn this bus around. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And literally it was my bike. I turned it around. And, and uh, I, I remember there was this same route I would do every day, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it was, I'd be out for almost 90 minutes. You know, I know that's a very long ride and uh, I didn't cover as much distance when I would start, but over time, you know, it would be more distance, but the time domain remained the same. It was always sort of a 90 minute. And the only way I knew it was 90 minutes was, uh, my dad allow, allowed me to take his Sony AM FM cassette player, you know, the little Walkman. These are these old yellow bricks, right? And <laughs> it was really cool because he could play a 45 minute tape. And when we get to the end of one side of that tape, it would automatically flip to the B side and it wow. would play the B side. And it was like, that was all the rage, right? And, yeah. and so I would have uh, Tragically Hip on one side and Alice in Chains on the other. And these are just uh, two bands that I used to enjoy as a teenager. I still too, enjoy them today too, you know, the nostalgia is real uh, but <laughs> but i i knew that you know 
when I, I would just ride and when I would get to hear that click and I would hear the, the other bands start to play, I knew that was time to turn around and go back. Ah, yeah. And, and that's how I sort of just picked the time because I wasn't going to watch. I wasn't measuring my heart rate or any of that <laughs> stuff that people talk about today, right? I was just getting out and riding, moving my body. Mm-hmm. And and uh, six weeks in, I remember there was this hill that I would come at. And I remember the first time getting there and I, I didn't even make it a, a third of the way up the hill. You know, I got up to this point and it felt like the bike just froze. And I was like, oh. And it wouldn't move. And I was like, well, I'm going fall over. But I knew if I <laughs> gave up and turned around and went home, which was my initial instinct, uh, I'm just mm-hmm. being honest. Like, I was like, okay, well, forget this. I just failed. Why am I even doing this? Change is hard. This is not possible. I can't do this. You know, all those <laughs> thoughts I'm thinking there. I'm like, yeah. okay, just, just keep going. And so I walked the bike to the top and I got to the top and I just started riding again and kept going. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Every day I was coming to this same hill, right? Every day for six weeks. But every time it was a little bit more, a yeah. little bit more, a little bit more. At the end of six weeks, right? Now, this is only six weeks into this commitment of moving my body daily with purpose, right? Like that's uh-huh. just six weeks in. And and I remember having my head down, coming to the hill. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then and I just kept going. And I remember all of a sudden, just it started to feel easy again. And I, I'm like basically pulling my eyes up from the road. And I'm looking up and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I'm on top of the hill. You know, and I'm like in that moment, it was such victory. Oh, it wasn't just victory, but it was this this confidence that I gained knowing that change is not only possible, it's possible when I choose for it to happen. Yeah. And that is the confidence I gained and the lesson that I learned that day. Six weeks into this commitment in my 15th year on this planet, you know, <laughs> wanting to overcome this state of unhealth, this morbid obesity that I had accumulated over five years. Now, it, just to be full disclosure here and, and completely transparent, it, it took me five years to put all that weight on. And it took me about two years to take it all off, you know, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. by 17, I was starting to be more fit. I was started doing some uh, more resistance training, like weight training. You know, I was more active. I was doing hiking. I, I had a friend that was into rock climbing. So we'd go to this indoor gym out in Toronto. And, you know, so I started having this sort of confidence that I could try new things. Yeah. It's healthier to take physical. it off slower. Yeah. You don't want to take yeah. five years off in, you know, no. six months. You, that's not going to be healthy. <laughs> It can be hard too, yeah, on, on our on our systems, on our mentality. You know, there's lots of aspects to come into that, and and but it was a an enjoyable two years. You know, I yeah. learned so much. Now, to be fair, I, my my results and my motivations for getting the results were were largely surface, and and I well, you were 15, honest, okay. I know, I know. Give I yourself mean, a break. You were 15. I, I, I You're not 15 girlfriend, now. Okay, I did. I wanted a girlfriend. Full disclosure. <laughs> How normal of you for 15. But but when I really think about it, it was also because I just wanted somebody to want me, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, because I didn't believe that would be possible. And and that's just how I felt about myself, you know, so to, to have somebody and somebody that wants me, but also to have that romantic, loving connection. Mm-hmm. that's really what was motivating me. You know, every day it was like, oh yeah, you know, that was sort of the the end result that I'd be working towards. And, but the neat thing was I, I, I did start to love myself a lot more too, you know, and just loving the process of feeling good, feeling healthy. Yeah. And, and at 17 and a half, you know, it was about a year before I was about to, to move to, uh, to British Columbia, to Vancouver, Canada. Um, a friend of my mom's came over. I'm like, hey, is, is your mom around? And I'm like, well, yeah, she's in the back doing some gardening. And he just sort of stood there looking at me through the screen door. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? It's kind of that awkward stare. It's like, I just told you where my mom is, but you're like, there's a pause there. And you're still looking at me. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's Why like, you're oh, looking at me like that. Yeah, well, Stop looking like, at me like that. Uh, do you have just, do you have a couple minutes? And I'm like, oh, sure. I okay. don't know. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then he proceeded to come in and right away, I'm like, what did I do last weekend? <laughs> you know, I'm like, again, just like when I was nine, my parents are sort of pulling my brother and I aside. I'm like, oh man, am I in trouble again here? You know, like it was this instant sort of like, oh my gosh, what did mm-hmm. I do? My Because here's an adult, someone that was more than twice my senior, you know, he was into his forties and uh, at this time. And, and I'm like, you know, it's a long time family friend. So, uh, there was definitely a lot of, uh, of comfort there. Like there was an ease uh, mm-hmm. to talk to him, but he, he sat down and I sat down and, and he, he just 
instantly opened up and started sharing about what he'd observed in me over the last couple of years, how I'd gotten really healthy and, and just changed so much. And, and that he admired that and was impressed by that. And, and he then asked me if I could help him make some wow. health changes. Now you have to understand at 17 years old, like this is the first time where I felt like I actually have something of value to offer and I can help somebody. And you know what, Danielle, I freaking loved it. I loved it. I, that, that interaction made me feel so fulfilled. I was like, this has got to be what I'm meant to be here for, wow. is to help people with these types of changes. And, and literally, I got bit by not only the coaching and the mentorship bug, but that by the change bug, you know, this ability yeah. to help other people navigate change. And, and so for the rest of my life, you know, from that age, of, of literally 17, almost 18 to, to now at 46, I've been doing that in some fashion or another. Yeah. And, and I envision I'll do it till the day I depart this mortal coil, you know, like <laughs> I, 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 I don't anticipate ever not doing it. Um, but, but obviously, you, you know, I told you like it was very surface, a lot of those uh -huh. motivations and I did not deal with the trauma at hand that started the whole problem, the challenge. And, you know, by the time I was 18, I had already started to realize that to open up and to deal with my social anxiety and to just because I, I did, I harbored a lot of those negative thoughts still. Like, even though I changed the outside, don't worry, on the inside, I was still morbidly obese. I was still that mm. little fat kid. I was still that person that was afraid of letting people in or letting people see me. You know, I didn't feel I had value. Mm. And as such, you, you know, I, I discovered early on when I started getting invited to be more social and, to, you know, I had a girlfriend and I was getting invited to go to parties. I, if I had a couple of drinks, I could be anybody I wanted I could be that person that I thought I wanted to be, that I thought other people wanted me to be. And, and that's going I, back to that trauma because, oh yeah, well, totally. why aren't they together anymore? And I need to make sure I'm whatever I need to be so that I don't get thrown away like that. And I just wanted to be accepted. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted people to want me and like me because uh, I didn't like myself a whole heck of a lot still, you know, and uh, alcohol just was that gateway. To, that I believe would allow me to be that person. And it just became a big part of my life. You know, alcohol, I, I developed a really poor relationship with it. Now I had a, I was always known as fun guy die. So those that have maybe heard my TEDx talk or seen the TEDx talk, I talk about this period and just how people referred to me, you know, like I was a very jovial drunk, let's put it that way. And I was also somebody that would always want to buy the drinks for everybody else because that gave me permission to drink more, <laughs> you know? So um, I was always very lively and, and positive and, uh, but I abused alcohol. I really did. And, and it wasn't a great thing to be modeling, especially as I entered into entrepreneurship in my twenties and started to build a company with a business partner. And, you know, we were scaling and, uh, you know, just, we grew that business to, to eight figures a year, you know, and, wow. and, and you got married it, in there too. So I also, yeah, found my wife, you know, we, we connected, we met, we started having kids young. I was 26 when my first daughter was born and, you know, it was just, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but all still while having this sort of double-edged sword, you know, and, and this poor relationship with alcohol, but I was very functional, you know, people accepted it. They actually more than accepted it. They expected it. Mm -hmm. This is something I didn't realize until I was in my early thirties. And, and, uh, you know, there was this moment, you know, and I was like in my early thirties, this is going back 14 years, almost to the day. Almost to the day, 14 years ago, um, my wife sat me down and it felt very eerily like that moment when my parents sat me down at age nine to let me know that, you know, this is the end of it. You know, like we're, we're, we're separating and divorcing, but don't worry, you'll be okay. Like, you know, like it's it felt like that sort of uh, setup, you know, because my wife sat me down after a night. I, I don't even remember how I got home the night before, if I'm perfectly mm. honest, you know, and I actually, I woke up on the floor beside the bed. Like, I'm embarrassed to talk about this, of course, but I'm not ashamed about it anymore. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> it happened. I'm not going to mm -hmm. deny it. But it was well, it happens catalyst, to other people you know? as well. And that's why it we does. share stories like this. Like in one of my books, mm. I shared the story of a meltdown that I had. Mm. You know, it was a night before. I didn't remember a thing. The next morning, I'm like, I called two mm. people to ask them what happened last night. That's really wow. embarrassing <laughs> to wow. do that. So my heart hurts with you and I understand. And I mm. thank you for mm. being vulnerable, letting yourself be vulnerable to share something like that, because you're not the only one who ever did that. <laughs> you know, you know, you're right. And I probably won't be the last. And uh, as I've realized, as I've, I've 
started to share this story more and more, you know, uh, and, and to be honest, Daniel, thank you for sharing that. Cause uh, you know, it, it, the thing about vulnerability is what's re- remarkable about it. You know, when, when one person's vulnerable, it gives somebody else permission to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, it, it invites them and says, Hey, this is safe. It's okay. Yeah. You know, um, cause it is a huge extension of trust as well. Yeah. And um so there I was, you know, waking up on the floor and and not really understanding how I even got there, to be frank. And, you know, this is almost noon at this point uh, the next day. And my wife and my kids are downstairs. And uh, my wife was unloading the dishwasher to the extent that everybody in the neighborhood could hear she was unloading the dishwasher. So, oh. uh, yeah, it, it, let's just say she was uh, unloading it with a whole lot of passion. OK, uh-huh. <laughs> and, I get it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so she was she she woke me up for sure. And uh, I made my way down and, and she just motioned me to the table. And the kids are watching Dora, the Explorer in the living room. And I'm uh, sitting down at the, the, the kitchen table with her and. She's like, you know, this has got to stop. This is not a healthy environment for our girls to 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 grow up in. You know, they, this is not acceptable anymore. You know, and my kids are both under the age of six at this period, and mm-hmm. and and the craziest thing was, Danielle, I I realized in that moment, I, there wasn't anything I could say that could defend the way I was being. You know, like it just, I knew deep down it was like she's right this is when you get out of the shower and it's not fogged up on the mirror anymore absolutely this is and another she was one the of mirror those for moments me. yeah yeah she I was the mirror for you she was she really was and uh, you know we we both proceeded to cry and and you know because we both love each other very much still you know and at this point we really did and and that wasn't what either of us wanted but to be fair, I, I know why she wanted it at that moment. You know, I, I knew why she wasn't willing to accept it or, or to enable me any longer. Mm-hmm. And um, and she asked me a question. Now, th- this is, if there's anybody <laughs> that's listening or watching this right now, like, this is the question, okay? Like, this is the takeaway of this the whole conversation, because I think this is the most empowering question I've ever been asked in my the, life. The turning point of when you took ownership was this question. It's, yeah, This is it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where everything changed in an instant. You know, and uh, my wife asked me, she she says, Di, are you being the type of man that you'd want your daughters to marry? And I don't know, it's not a very complicated question, you know, <laughs> but it was like this instant high beam shone upon me, you know, and just yeah. every dark crevice was now illuminated. And I was like, oh, boy. Wow. No, I because again, I, I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation today, the two most effective ways we all learn is through mentorship and modeling. Mm-hmm. I was not being a good mentor to my family, you know, but also what I was modeling every day, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if I'm modeling to my girls, my kids, you know, this is what a man is. This is what a husband is. This is what a business owner is. This is what a community leader is. You know, like that's what I was modeling. I was saying, this is all part of what's okay. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't okay. And um, it was just, this is, it was a bit reactionary. It was a bit fear-based again, just like when I was, you know, almost 15 and I was making that change out of fear because I was more afraid of not changing than changing. Mm -hmm. And right again, yes, absolutely. I I was more afraid of losing my family because I knew if I lost that, that anchor, I was going to be adrift and I have no idea where I really would have drifted. Um, would we be talking today? Danielle, I can say hundred percent. No, we wouldn't hundred mm-hmm. percent. I know for a fact, we would not be speaking today. Had, had that relationship ended. Yeah. Had I not made a commitment to myself that day that I was going to go one year without drinking, you know, and now it started as a one year commitment. I just want everybody to know this. That's all it started as a lot of people just, they, they presume that uh, I'm, yeah, a lot of people presume when I share with them that I don't drink, they just presume that I, I must be someone that's in this 12 step program, you know, or or something along those lines that I was mm-hmm. an alcoholic or I was it, it, it was not none of that, you know, it was but a what, habit. It, it was a habit, but it was also it was a value proposition. Mm-hmm. Like I valued the way that I was perceived when I drank more mm-hmm. than how I was perceived when I was with my family. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was a value and I was valuing alcohol and the person that I felt that that was who people wanted more than who I was actually wanting to be myself and who wow. I always strove to be. It, it was just a, a simple value equation, you know, and and 
<laughs> you know, and I sat my kids down, I sat my wife down on the couch. I'm like, I'm going to go one year without drinking. And, and uh, we, my, my daughter Chardonnay at this time had a um, very weak, uh, her left eye was very weak. And so she had these corrective lenses on like these massive Coke bottle lenses. Right. And mm-hmm. so it made her eyes like 10 times larger and beautiful blue eyes. Just staring up from the couch. She's like, okay, daddy. So <laughs> no Coca-Cola. Uh, no soda. No. Like she starts lifting off all these adult drinks. Right. And, yeah. and we just, we'd refer to it. And I'm like, <laughs> it was just, it was this moment where like, no, no, no. Like, adult adult drinks like the, the the alcohol drinks and and she's like oh okay you know like so she wanted to qualify because she was thinking coffee as well and tea like <laughs> things that we would often say to them no this isn't for you when you're older you know like yeah um, but but that moment of lightness in this moment of heaviness mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful contrast yeah like it was just it was it, it we all smiled and we laughed you know my wife and I looked at each other and we laughed and and we're like you know what it's going to be okay in that moment, hope, I knew it. Hope rose up. It, it, it was. It the was. The sun came moment. up. <laughs> it, well, it was, it, and it's the hope from a, the mouth of a babe, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's wonderful that that innocence and that perspective, and uh, and so that started one year of me going with no drinking, and you know, I thought it would be challenging. <laughs> I didn't know how challenging. It was really hard. Like within three weeks in. I, it was really hard. Like it, the longest stretch I'd ever done without alcohol from the time that I was about 17 and a half to that point now at 33, so like 16 years was a month. I'd done the sober January, right? Like dry mm. January, like that kind of a thing. I, I'd done a whole month at a time, but I'd mm-hmm. never done anything longer than that. And so this is going to be a stretch. And, and three weeks in, I was already feeling and like jonesing and just realizing that a lot of the social circles that I had that would have been supportive, I realized they really didn't understand what I wanted. Mm. They valued that other person that I would often become when I drink Mm. greater than the person I really wanted to be. Mm. I always wanted to be, you know, and especially for my kids, for for my wife, for my family, for myself, like Mm -hmm. I had, I was, I grew up with a lot of really strong values. You know, my parents were really good that way. Like I -hmm. I don't come from a broken household. Like, I mean, sure. We had our challenges. Absolutely. All families do, but there was still a lot of love there. Mm -hmm. It was safe. It was a lot of care, you know, like, and, and yet, you know, there's those moments where just things go different and and maybe not to the way we planned it but i I grew up with these strong moral Mm -hmm. uh, morals you know and and ethics and um i always felt weird when i would drink as such because i wasn't acting as the person i always wanted to be right i was Mm -hmm. acting as who i thought everybody else wanted me to be and Mm -hmm. that that inner conflict it creates is really hard to deal with and i know a lot of people struggle with that Uh, and believe me I, i i feel you but it's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I realized I needed help, Danielle. I needed help. And uh, it, it was about a month in and and I just dumped everything on my wife. Like I shared everything. It was the first time in our relationship I truly got vulnerable and shared everything that I was feeling on the inside. Mm. Like, even up to that point, I don't think any period of my life to that point, you know, in my first 33 years of life, I had ever truly opened up and shared the heaviness with anybody. Mm. And, and, you know, she was so good about it. Like she, she definitely shouldered that for a moment, but also realized, you know, I can't be the person to unload this for you. And, you know, and I don't think I was really expecting her to, I just wanted to share how I was feeling. I mm-hmm. just wanted her to understand what I was struggling with and, and just to be honest, tell me it's going to be okay. You know, like, yeah. And um, she encouraged me to, to look for help and I'd never had help before you know like I didn't even know what that would look like but I found a psychologist uh, I also found a therapist and there was a period there we even found a relationships counselor you know our second session in the lady's looking at her she's like yeah you know Christy I think it's better if dad comes back on his own <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and so uh you know I continued down that path with her too and 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 I, I really embraced this support you know this help because they helped me 
start to understand the trauma and the effect of that trauma at age nine. Yeah. You know, and, and then how I felt as a morbid obesity, you know, when I was in that state of unhealth and, and some of the social pressures that I dealt with, like it just, they helped me see things differently and reframe yeah. things in a way to better understand, to really be more forgiving of myself, to be honest, you know, yeah. and, and accepting. And, you know, it, this wasn't a forever val thing. Validate the trauma. It, that yes. You had trauma. You, you yeah. were a you were a child. I mean, nine yes. is a child. 15 is yes. still a child. Our prefrontal cortex yes. is not complete until we're 25. So right. all of mm -hmm. that, you were not done growing up yet. So you yeah. were reacting to this thing and Pretty you didn't much. have the help until you got the help to be able to process it. And then you brought yeah. lasting change into your life. Yeah. And that's basically what happened, you know, like it, it was about six months. It was literally six months. And and believe me, there was a period there. I went to a lot of 12 step programs too. I read all the literature. I thought maybe I was an alcoholic. Maybe this is something that I can never change because, you know, but I, I struggled with this whole idea that, you know, I'm powerless to this thing, Yeah, know, this thing outside of me. Like I, I really struggled with accepting that because I, I, every single time when I drink full disclosure, I was like, I knew what I was doing. All right. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm having another one. I know I don't need another one, but I'm having one anyways. Or, or my phone would be this, I'd be getting texts from Christy, like, Hey, you're supposed to be home. And I'd be like, I'm going to turn that off, you know, and I'll just pretend later that, uh, Oh, my phone died, you know, like, <laughs> and like, I was fully aware of my choices and what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I never felt powerless to alcohol. I never felt it was holding a gun against me. You mm -hmm. know, And, and so I struggle with the 12 step program, but I, realized I just needed help. I, I needed mm -hmm. some support to start to understand some of the things that brought me to want to drink and to prioritize that person I'd become over the person I wanted to be. Right. It's more and, important to yeah. find the help that you need than to find a label to slap on yourself. That's right. Thank you. I, I, it's the best way you can put it, you know, and, and I was like, man, drop the mic now. Like, that's great. Yeah. Cause it's, that's very on point. And, and here's the thing it was like four to six months of, of working with these professionals and I got the clarity and I got the, 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 that's actually pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but listen, I embraced it. Right. And I embraced it. And I you did like, the work. I'll bet. I did. I did the work. Okay. And, and that's what I want to take here for our listeners. Yeah. Mm. That is key. I have shared that in my story before <laughs> you can go to counseling for 20 years and never get better. That's right. If you don't do the work. But okay. if you will do the work, if you will do the work because you matter, because you are worth doing the work, mm -hmm. you can get mm -hmm. free. I can't <laughs> say how long. It depends on your circumstances and what you're dealing with. You've listened to what Di has had to say about his situation. And in an earlier episode, Janine McConaughey shared her story of having the multiple personalities and what she went through to do the work to get free mm -hmm. and all the work but you're worth the work. So please, please, please do the work. Absolutely. I, I, I'm going to say ditto. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is so on point. Like I, I knew I just wanted to do it. Like I wanted to better understand me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be the person that I always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think we always have a vision of the kind of person we want to become. And mm -hmm. and most of the time, the choices we make every day is actually leading into that realization. And but unfortunately, sometimes we just get detoured and mm -hmm. we start doing more of the things that take us away from that vision of who we expect ourselves to become or yeah. are working towards. And uh, and so for me, it was like, I, I want to get back on course here. OK, yeah. like I, I, I'm in my early 30s. I want to be that role model for my kids. But more than that, I want to be the mentor and I want to help others. Mm -hmm. Like at 17, I got bit by that bug. You know, I knew that I wanted to make an impact with my life. Well, that's a perfect segue into what do you do now to help people? <laughs> what are you doing right now uh, in your life now? Yeah. Oh, and I should this big change. So, well, it, huge change. And, and this, that was the catalyst, you know, that one year. And, and here's uh -huh. the thing at the end of that first year, I remember my wife very distinctly, we got to the end of the year and she's like, holy smoke, she did it. Like, she was so proud because also our relationship had gotten much more stronger. I was much more engaged as a parent. I was just, I was more present to my own life and mm -hmm. the lives of people around me, right? Like it just, everything started to change. And, and she's like, hey, you want to celebrate? Why don't we watch the, the sunset tonight and, and share a bottle of wine? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we could do that. But, you know, Chrissy, 
what if I keep going? You know, what, what, what if I just keep going? Because I was like so much changed in this last 12 yeah. months. What would happen if I just kept going with this? Anyways, it's 14 years now, you know, like 14 years. And I just, I don't feel a need. Like, I just don't, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's also because I'm very health minded, you know, and, mm-hmm. and also being diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease 10 years ago. Um, it reassured me of some of the choices I make and how I prioritize my health, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mental health included. And uh, so the, over these 14 years, I exited out of that company that I was a partner with, you know, and uh, after 17 years of doing that, and uh, I wrote a book and oh. it's called the whole life fitness manifesto. It teaches people how to leverage 2% of every 24 hours. That's only 30 minutes. So 2% of your day is only 30 minutes. Uh, to maximize and optimize your body, your mind, and your spirit. And it's very simple. 15 minutes of movement with purpose, five minutes of mindful meditation, followed by 10 minutes of focused personal development. And and so that is a 30-minute solution as I, I, I frame it as a 2% solution, you know, and if you commit to doing it for 28 days, I don't care who you are, you will see a shift. Mm-hmm. And that, and a lot of people say, is that all I got to do? I'm like, it's the least you should be doing. Like, <laughs> well, you could start yeah. there. It's a How wonderful about you thing. start there? It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing because, uh, you know, no one else will do self-care for you. Right. You know, no one else just, can. It's, it's why it's called self-care. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And and so, you know, that book came out seven years ago. And and at that same time, as I was, I basically quit a career of 17 years. My wife quit hers a month after that. We pulled the kids out of school two months later and gave away our stuff, packed up our SUV and started traveling. Mm-hmm. And that set us in motion in a five-year journey of traveling all over the world. And we actually spent two and a half years living in Bali, Indonesia during wow. that period in time. And uh, lots of growth, lots of learning. Um, I continue to coach and to mentor people, not only in business, but also in life. And uh, I often support people in both areas because they're always interconnected. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I just find great fulfillment with that. And obviously the TEDx talk, which happened uh, about a year ago, and, and I started co-facilitating men's meetups, you know, mm-hmm. um, men's circles, and, and really trying to help men develop healthier relationships with vulnerability. Mm. And, and it's amazing. It's a skill like any other skill, but unless you have a place to practice that skill in a safe place where we feel right. comfortable and confident in ourselves to be able to try something new yeah. to open up, especially man to man, which, you know, again, I'm a man who identifies as a man and, and the men's circles that I tend to facilitate often attract people of a similar identification. And, and, and so when I'm using this kind of language, please recognize that. And because uh, mm-hmm. I know some people are sensitive to, to pronouns and uh, I am too, but uh, the, the men's groups are very specific you know Mm -hmm. and and they are serving a certain community for men that want to learn how to be more able to communicate effectively what's going on on the inside right because it opens up this opportunity for deeper connection understanding as well as community and right uh, if there's one thing I, i i'm very grateful being able to model and mentor especially to my kids and my family and the closest people i'm that i have in my life that is the skill of being vulnerable Wonderful. And, and so, yeah, that's sort of sums up the last 14 years a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, is there anything that you want to leave people with that want to make sure that, you know, fill in the blank? Well, you, you know, I, so I did a Vipassana I, uh, and a Vipassana is a 10 day silent retreat, basically, and, and where they teach you a certain style of meditation called Vipassana. Hmm. And it's what's been attributed to Buddha or sorry, I guess Siddhartha, when he became the enlightened one, the Buddha, this was this breathing technique, this meditation technique. And and again, please recognize the Vipassanas are typically non-secular. So even though it might be associated to Buddhism, at least from a meditation perspective, that when you do one of these retreats, it's it's not secular. So it's it's open to all religions, all basically, if you're a human being, you want to learn how to meditate more effectively, Vipassana. And the beautiful thing is it's a nonprofit organization and it's all volunteer driven. So it's fully accessible to anybody, as long as you can create space to be offline for about 10 days, right? And because there's no electronics, there's no writing utensils, there's no nothing. Like you are unplugged so you can plug in, okay? And um, it was one of the hardest, most challenging things I've ever done in my life. And yet also one of the most, for lack of a better word, enlightening moments of my life. And yeah. um, But when you take time like that, 
that you pull away from your everyday and go into such an extreme difference mm. in some way and unplug. Yes. I, my son did something like that. It was called a quest. It was Christian based, oh. but oh, cool. it was with men and they yeah. went out into the woods and wow. they had, I think, tents or cabins or something, but they yeah. were unplugged for a week, you know, and to, you know, learn about themselves and about God. So it was a similar kind of thing, but it, it it's a life-changing experience when you it pull really yourself is. away like that. Sometimes we got to slow down to speed up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but the one thing that I learned and that was very impactful at that moment was there was a, one of the instructors, they shared a lesson and they talked about Buddha and this whole idea of this too shall pass. Like we, we hear that expression quite often and it's associated to Buddha like 2,600 years ago, right? Like <laughs> meaning that all the pain and the suffering that we might endure at periods in our life, don't worry, this too shall pass. You'll get through it. You know, things change because change is the only thing we know that's absolute certainty that's going to happen. Whether we like it or not, change is happening. The universe is based on change. But but here was the thing. And this is the thing that really got stuck with me was he goes, and I, you know, I just presumed it means all the negative stuff. So don't worry, you'll get through all that stuff and it'll get better again. He said, but no, it's more than that. All the good things that happen in your life, you know, that firstborn, you know, that first time you met your life partner, you know, that first time you published a book successfully, you know, like that, that first deep connection you have with the you know, a fellow human being, like all these magical moments that we experience in our lives, those two shall pass. Well, time is what we have right now. Yeah. We can't live in yesterday and we can't live in tomorrow. People try and then yeah. it robs them of their right now. What we have, mm. all we have, I mean, really have mm. is right now. <laughs> and and for me, that brought it into instant focus because I, I started to realize, well, yeah, that's right. All those good things do pass. They they pass. You got to appreciate them when they're happening right yeah. then and there. And and I, I know I've heard it. You know, I've read Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. You know, like we've heard a lot of the gurus referencing this idea of now and being present to now. But it, it was just in that moment on that silent retreat, you know, learning to meditate, reflecting inward when I heard that message. I was finally ready to receive it. And, and it really stuck with me. And, and so that ability to try to bring myself self back to the present moment has been so enlightening and, and helpful. And, and that's the one thing I want to invite those that are listening or watching this right now. You know, it's like create more presence for yourself in your own life. Amen. You know, like, and whatever means necessary to figure that out. It's okay. There's lots of modalities you can plug yeah. into. You know, but don't limit it. Just try. You will find something and you're going to have that same moment where all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, I get it, <laughs> you know, right. and it's, it's beautiful. So again, back to, to your, your terminology, Danielle, you know, it's that awakening moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like It's just like, wow, okay, okay. It's like everything was kind of fuzzy and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, it's clear. And, and, and I want that for everybody. Yeah. It's like that one scene at the right. end of the movie, Scrooged. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. He goes, I yeah. get it now. Yes, I yes. get it now. Yes. You know, about love, you know, and he has them all singing and it's this great time. But it's like, I always think of that in that movie. I get it now. You know, in multiplication that. tables, how many times do we have uh, to repeat them? It takes repetition for us to get things. So if you need to listen to this again, you are listening, listen to it again and again and again, because we need repetition to be able to get whatever epiphany you are needing today as you are listening to this, as you are watching this on my YouTube, that you get what you need, because that's why I do this here. So, Di, how can people connect with you? Where, where are you in the social media or website? How can sure. they connect with you? <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. Uh, well, I'm pretty social, and it's a nice thing of having a unique name. I'm pretty easy to find if you can spell it right. And uh, <laughs> Dai is a Welsh name for David. Um, so Dai is D-A-I. And Manuel is a Portuguese last name, M-A-N-U-E-L. And yes, I'm Canadian. Don't worry about it. You know, like it's uh, <laughs> that's where the mix comes in. And and But if you can type in my name into pretty much every social network, you'll find me. I have my own name locked in, loaded on all the social platforms. But I'm most active on Facebook, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. So okay. uh, it's a great place to start. And my website's diamondwell.com. About 1,800 articles I've published over the last 15 years. And uh, it's a great place to just start to self-educate a bit. Learn, grow, implement, 
you know, Amen. Do the work. that's where wisdom, wisdom comes from that, right? Yes. We can gain knowledge, but until you apply the knowledge, it won't become wisdom. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And Danielle, thank you again for today. You know, it's been it's been wonderful connecting with you and your. Oh, this has been. I have a beautiful energy about you. Just love it. It's been great. It's been great. Oh, just thank you for being with us today, and and our listeners, thank you for being with us today. We went way over what you normally do, but it just it's like we had two victories to overcome. We had a teenager that overcame, but then there was another layer. And how many of us? have that but we don't recognize that so take a look at your life quiet yourself for a little bit and find the way that you need to get the victory in your life and so until next time i'm danielle burnock from danielleburnock.com love yourself from survive to thrive that lady on the internet who loves you bye-bye Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at DanielleBurnock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.